Today's scripture reading comes from Genesis 11, verses 1 to 9. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. The prophet Isaiah declares that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever had a distorted view of somebody? Uh, Perhaps you saw someone as rude and intimidating But later you learned that actually you were totally wrong. When I was in ninth grade, I thought that my Spanish teacher hated my guts, only to find out that she really liked me. Go figure. For whatever reason, though, sometimes we have distorted views of other people, views that are actually incorrect. And so that leads us to wonder, might we sometimes also have a distorted view of God? Well, the people at the Tower of Babel are operating out of this distorted view of God, and God did not allow that to stand. So they've set out to build a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. At this time, they're all speaking the same language that's making communication a total breeze and they found a place to settle. A plain, flat plain in the land of Shinar, where if they build this tower, it's going to be seen from all over. So verse 4 tells us, they say, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Now, at first glance, we may wonder, why does God have an issue with them building a tall tower? Does he also have an issue with the Empire State Building? What's going on here? And there is a lot of debate as to what specifically God takes issue with in this passage. But one good possibility that we're going to explore today is that it has more to do with what the tower represents. That the problem isn't the physical height of the tower, but the view of God that it symbolizes. In the ancient world, if you had a tower with its top in the heavens, that often referred to something called a ziggurat. And you might remember that word maybe from elementary or middle school. It was a pyramid structure with steps on the outside leading to the top. And it was considered like a landing platform or a stairway for a god by which they could descend to earth. 
Old Testament scholar John Walton describes it this way. He says, the stairway was a visual representation of that which was believed to be used by the gods to travel from one realm to another. Now, specifically at the top, it had a little room where the god could eat and sleep and bathe and take a break. Hmm. Are we seeing an issue here? The problem with this kind of structure is it represents a distorted view of God. It paints God as one who has needs, one who needs to eat and sleep and take a shower, as someone who needs humanity to provide those needs for him. It makes him out to be a God who's just like maybe a supercharged human being, not the all-powerful creator of Genesis 1 and 2. It paints him just like all the other gods of the culture at this time. But unlike them, the Lord has no needs. He has no need for people to clothe or feed him. He doesn't depend on us. We depend on him. But these gods in the ancient world, they were described as those who did things on a whim. People didn't really know what they wanted because not only did these gods not tell them, but they could change what they wanted day by day. Their character could be just as bad as humanity's, and they even could be manipulated. And the Lord is none of these things. But that's essentially what this ziggurat, this tower, is declaring. It uses a particular belief system that is not true of the Lord God. God does not change. He is true to his words and promises. His integrity is unmatched. He tells us what is right and wrong. He tells us what pleases him or displeases him so we don't have to guess. And he cannot be manipulated by anyone or anything. He doesn't do things on a whim. He acts within his good character, his unchanging character. He is the creator whom we depend on for all things. And so it's likely that this city and tower represent a distorted view of God, and thus God will not allow it to stand. It's a monument to who God isn't. And so God goes down and he's not pleased. Verse 6 says, And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Allowing humanity to continue with this project will allow them to create even greater distortions of who God is. But we don't get to determine who God is. God tells us who he is. Now, what has allowed them to accomplish such a feat? Well, it's their unity of language. And so to put a stop to this, God confuses their languages so they can no longer communicate. Verse 7 and 8. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. And so losing this ability, they lose the ability to complete this project. And thus the city is called Babel. And Babel is actually called Babel because it sounds like the Hebrew verb that means to confuse, which is balal. And so, uh, verse 9, it says, Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. 
we could reword it so we can kind of hear that play on words. Its name was called Babel because there the Lord Babel, their language. It's a play on words. God was not going to allow this tower and its distorted view of him to stand. Now, we don't really have issues with this, right? We're not, we're not building like pyramid-like structures to, to false views of God. Um, at least, not that I know of, maybe some of you are, who knows. But I think what we do have an issue with is that sometimes we do things out of a distorted view of God. Sometimes we live with a distorted view of God. Without knowing it, we can let the false beliefs of our culture creep into our faith. And our beliefs can become more crafted by society than by the word of God. For instance, we have a distorted view of God when we determine who God is by our feelings and opinions rather than by the scriptures. When we say something like, I feel that God is this way or that, not based on scripture, but just because that's how I feel. Now, feelings and emotions are wonderful things, absolutely, but our feelings aren't facts, and they don't always tell us the truth. For instance, if, if, I, if I felt that my wife was six feet tall, has green hair and purple eyes, would I be right simply because I felt that? Have any of y'all seen Emily? Does she have green hair and purple eyes? No, no. Because my, my opinions, my feelings don't change who someone actually is. And so if I feel like God doesn't judge sin, I'm wrong because of what Scripture says, what he tells us about him. But also, if I feel like God hates me because I have messed up so much, I'm also wrong because of what God reveals about himself in Scripture. We also have a distorted view of God. We act as if God always agrees with our actions and our point of view, regardless of what they are. Tim Keller writes, If your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. If I am a sinner in need of God's grace, there are always going to be places I need God to correct and redirect me. God's wisdom and views are not the same as our wisdom and views. His are always right. Ours aren't always. Isaiah 55, 6-9 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We are going to spend a lifetime being conformed to Christ's character and allowing God to transform our views. We also have a distorted view of God when we live as if God is impossible to please and just waiting for us to mess up. Many times when I was younger, I would feel this way, like I could never get it right. I kept messing up, 
I thought, this is it. God is not going to welcome me back anymore. I asked for forgiveness. I trusted Jesus. I wanted to follow him and correct things in my life, but I felt like I've reached the limit God's done with me. I was so worried that he was going to abandon me because I'd failed again. But Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, tells us something different. It says, for by grace, that's God's kindness, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I had forgotten that God doesn't save us by what we do, but by what Jesus did. And if God saved us by what Jesus did before we had even, you know, done things to please him, won't we be able to remain saved by what Jesus did as well? If we got in by God's grace, doesn't that mean we stay in by God's grace? We also have a distorted view of God when we act as if our faith is all about God giving us everything we want. Actually, our faith is about trusting Jesus and following him wherever he leads, no matter the cost. And in that, we find true life. Jesus says in Mark 8, 34 to 38, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. It's actually in denying ourselves and following Jesus, no matter the cost, that we find true joy and true life. One more example. We live with a distorted view of God when we treat Jesus more like a mascot than a Messiah. Now here's what that looks like. When we use Jesus to legitimize our particular group or our particular club, but we don't really pay attention to his teaching. I mean, sure, we, we throw out a scripture verse when we want to support our particular view, but we don't really read the whole of scripture. As long as scripture agrees with us, we're good with it. But if it disagrees, let's push that to the side. Jesus will not be relegated to anything less than our Messiah and the one we obey. He will not just be there to give us credibility. He will not be our mascot. He will only be our Messiah. All these things we've talked about are all distorted views of God. They're like counterfeit money. You could have a million dollars worth of counterfeit money, but you're still broke. In the same way, these distorted views of God do not give us an accurate picture of who God is. So how do we deal with that? What do we do? Well, we need to clear our vision and let God be God. But how can we clear our vision to see God for who he is? 
We do it through his word, through the scriptures. The scriptures dispel all distorted views of God and show who he really is. And as we immerse ourselves in the scripture, all of it, we begin to guard ourselves against those distorted views of who God is. And so allow, let's allow scripture to be what molds us. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to transform us. Let scripture be your teacher and the Holy Spirit, the one who opens your eyes to it. And if you're here today and you've realized, you know what, I do have a distorted view of God in one of these areas or others, seek out scriptures to help you correct that. And if you're not sure where to look in scripture, I would love to chat with you and help you out with that. Ask the Holy Spirit to transform your heart. Now, oftentimes, these false, distorted views of God can become deeply ingrained in our minds and our feelings and our emotions. But when we see the truth, we can know it and believe it even when it's hard to feel it. Those feelings may come later. What's important is that we hold to the truth of who God is. And so ask God to help you see him for the incredible and glorious God he is. Let us not build our lives on distorted views of God, but let us build our lives on the beautiful reality of who God truly is. Let us pray. Lord, there are many ways that we have misconstrued you, ways that maybe culture has come into our, our hearts and we've, we've believed things about you that aren't true. We pray that by your grace and mercy and by your word and the Holy Spirit, you would correct our vision to see you for who you are, for who you are is greater than anything that could be distorted, Lord. Anything that we hold as a distorted view, you are greater than. Help us to build our lives on who you are. Help our foundation to be your word. Lead and direct us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.